Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. And we're back, back with another episode of The Art of Being You, and today is going to be interesting. We're going to be talking about some real-life ghost stories, sort of in honor of the October season coming upon us, and I don't mean in honor like we want to celebrate ghost stories, I just mean this is that time. And I don't know about you, but if you're like me, your Instagram feed is now filled with people who are decorating their houses with witch stuff and cauldrons and all this kind of crazy stuff. I mean, obviously these are people I don't necessarily know, but a lot of people do enjoy decorating for Halloween. And, you know, I was actually on Instagram this morning with somebody I follow that is like a Disney cup. She makes cups with Disney stickers on them. So similar, you know, seemingly harmless. And... She's in Salem, Massachusetts today, and she was posting, and I didn't realize it, and she was posting all these pictures, and I could just feel in my soul something was really wrong, and about three slides in, I realized she's posting um, in Salem, having a very major celebration, and it was like a a poll, do you want to join our coven, and I'm like, OMG, let's unfollow this person. And it got me thinking, let's just talk about the God perspective on ghost stories and stuff like this. Because when I was a kid, and I've shared this with you before, but I actually was really intrigued with the paranormal. I didn't necessarily enjoy feeling afraid, but I loved the curiosity related to you know, could there be supernatural powers and just the the weirdness of things like are demons real, are ghosts real, are werewolves real, is Bigfoot real, all that type of stuff. And, uh, you know, of course, Bigfoot doesn't usually get lumped into that category, but I just thought let's dedicate an episode of the podcast to it. So today what I'm going to do is actually tell you some of my personal real life ghost stories And then we're going to talk about what you can do if you have similar situations to this. So if you've listened to the podcast for any length of time, you've heard me talk about my journey with discernment. And if you listen to this and you're curious about the background, go back in the podcast and pick up some of those episodes where we talk about demon possession or discernment, because I tell a little bit of my story and how I discovered that this was a gifting on my life. For the sake of time today, I don't want to get into all of that, but one of the giftings that I have is called the gift of discernment, and really it's discerning between spirits. And people who have discernment have this ability to sense when something dark or sinister is taking place. The truth is, every single one of us has that ability. We all have a measure of discernment, but those who have the gift of discernment, it feels a little bit different. So I will never forget, uh, and this is a, this is kind of a crazy story, so all my stories I'm going to tell you today are a little bit whacked out, so, you know, pull over if you need to, put your drink down, I don't know, this might not be the cozy blanket kind of podcast, listen. But this was probably 10, 11 years ago, and I was in Waco, Texas at a conference. I went to Waco for a conference, and uh, we were staying at a friend's house. So the reason why we stayed at this house was this girl, she was in our ministry, 
Uh, I was mentoring her at the time and she said, my parents just moved into this house and I think it's haunted and I'd love for you to stay there and help me pray off whatever is there that's, you know, haunting. And I kind of thought, well, it doesn't sound like a great weekend to me, but prayed about it and really felt like, yeah, that's what we're supposed to do. So a group of us went down for this conference and then we had this second agenda to pray over her house. Well, she's giving us the tour. And when we go to the upstairs and we turned the corner of the hallway, I immediately began to see an image playing over and over again. It was almost like a projector was projecting into this one particular room. And I'll spare you all the details, but essentially what I saw was a small child being traumatically abused by an older male. And there was, it was just like playing on repeat over and over again. And the, the depth of the darkness that I felt in that moment was uh, tremendous. It actually caused me to kind of like, like I lost my breath for a second. Um, and it, it felt very fearsome to me. And so I just started praying and asking God, you know, what are you saying about this? What do you want me to do about this? Is there anything I have a legal authoritative right to do? This particular girl, her parents did not know Jesus. They were not interested in this kind of stuff. So I was really seeking the Lord for instruction on how to proceed. And what I began to understand and eventually ended up seeking out a mentor who helped me clarify this as well, is that what I had seen was the the spiritual residue to a very dark situation that was lingering in the atmosphere. And so uh, I'm going to use this term that I have no biblical backing for. So so there you go, a little grain of salt with this. But the term is called a satanic vortex. And basically it's when there's certain crimes or certain heinous acts that are committed, it almost opens up a portal to the underground where uh, there's habitual torment that can continue to happen in the atmosphere um, because of this. And so my friend, her bedroom was actually the bedroom of where this had happened, the closet where I'd seen this happening. And, uh, you know, she said I would be asleep and mirror, the mirror would fall off my wall or uh, multiple times in the night, she woke up praying in tongues or screaming in tongues. Um, we had, it was, it was crazy. So the next day I started feeling really, really sick. I mean, I had a stomach bug. I could not move beyond the bed that I was staying in. It was awful. I ended up having to miss most of the conference. And the second night that we were there, everybody left. There was probably 10 people with our group. They all left to go to this conference. And I ended up staying home because I was having such bad stomach issues. I was not sure I'd be able to make it even the drive to the arena. And so while I'm staying there about an hour later, I began to hear audible footsteps above me and it was so trippy. And I began to say, what the heck? So I texted my husband and I said, I just want to make sure that everybody is there with you. Is there anybody who came back to the house? The house was about 20 minutes of a drive from where the conference was. So I thought it was unlikely. And he said, no, everybody's here. Are you okay? I said, I'm hearing people talking and I'm hearing footsteps, but there's no one in the house. And he said, get up, lock the door. You know, should I come back? And I just began to really have a struggle. Am I going to give in to fear or what's going to happen? And I, I had a sense in my spirit that this was, um, this was like a ghost, what we would consider to be a ghost, but it was demonic activity, which I believe is pretty much what ghost activity is. It's all demonic activity. Remember that demonic beings are not human beings. They don't, they don't, 
they're not subject to the same laws of physics and, and gravity and stuff that we are. And so they can take on whatever shape they want to. They can take on a shape like a human if they want to, cause that, cause they're not human beings. They're, they're spiritual beings. And so as I began to pray, I actually ended up choking and I felt a, a hand around my throat while I'm sitting in this room by myself, choking me to the point where I could barely even speak out loud. And that's about the point that I thought we should not have come here. I bit off way more than I can chew. What I know now about the Lord and how the spirit works, I think it would have been a different experience, but the level of revelation I had at that time was not exactly conducive to being able to overcome. I did eventually get breakthrough in prayer. The the heaviness and the weirdness left. And uh, actually the next morning when I woke up, I was feeling completely fine. And uh, we went home and it was an incredibly strange situation. What was kind of humorous about that situation, well, really to me, a lot of it's funny when you look back at it. It was not funny to live it. But there is this idea that we have about like ghost people who are, you know, somehow trapped between the natural realm and the afterlife or some kind of uh, malarkey like that is what I'm going to call it. Again, I believe all ghosts are really just demons. There's, there's really no biblical precedent for spirits roaming the earth, human spirits roaming the earth after they die. I had an experience, uh, you guys know my story, you know I had a miscarriage at 20 weeks several years ago, and about a couple weeks after that happened, I ended up um, getting some pain in my kidneys, and I went to an urgent care, and I was talking to the doctor about what was going on, and we were trying to figure out, it turned out that I had gotten a UTI from the delivery, and so as I was talking to him, and he was looking at my chart, and he said, man, I'm really sorry to hear about what happened to you, I said, yeah, it's, it was pretty difficult. And he began to tell me about his son who had passed away a couple years before. He was two years old when he passed. And then he said this, he said, uh, you know, we keep his ashes up on our mantle uh, in an urn. And he said, you know, it's really interesting. My son still lives in the house with us from time to time. We'll see like his ghost or we'll hear his ghost doing things. And he said this in such a nonchalant way that he was like, like we were chit chatting over coffee and this was totally normal. And I was just in such a state of shock and I wasn't feeling well that I didn't even know how to respond. But I was trying to think to myself, is this the appropriate time to jump into the theology of how what you're really experiencing is demonic? It's not actually a ghost. But, you know, he he was so it was such a weird experience. And I don't know why, but for some reason, we tend to be fascinated with these kinds of stories. I think it's because we don't actually understand what's happening. And so my intention in telling you these stories is to help you have some understanding for nothing else but to help you subdue the curiosity that might be present in you because curiosity is the way the enemy lures us into agreement with him, especially around Halloween time. I cannot tell you how many people feel like it's completely innocent to play around with witches, which kind of stuff, witchcraft kind of stuff. Not maybe, maybe, I mean, I'm going to say, because I don't even believe what I'm saying that maybe some of it's innocent to me. It's not, but you know, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. But the truth of the matter is what we're doing when we decorate with witches, when we dress up as witches, when we, you know, kind of go into all this type of Halloween kind of stuff, we're just inviting agreement in with the enemy. We're giving him open doors to bring fear, to bring in control, and if nothing else, to bring in confusion and disillusionment with our relationship with God. 
So I told you about uh, the satanic vortex, which was cray cray. Told you about uh, my super weird doctor that one time. Never went back to him. No surprise there. Uh, and then I want to tell you a couple other stories. So, um, after I got married, uh, we were at my, my, uh, a family member's house. Let's put it that way. Uh, that is not a blood relative to me. And we were at this house and I had been sensing there was some darkness there and I was having a hard time being in the house. Uh, there's a lot of like old artifacts there as well. And, and sometimes not always, but sometimes old artifacts can carry, the residue of spiritual things. Let's go back to the satanic vortex for a, for a second. Like, like there's a reason why the atmosphere contains the trauma that happened uh, because the atmosphere, the, the, the molecules that are in it, the, you know, the, at, I don't know, atmosphere is the only word that keeps coming back to my mind. Um, it actually holds memory and, and items can hold memory as well. You know, that phrase, if the walls could talk, but if we start getting into quantum physics, we begin to see that sometimes walls can talk because they actually hold a frequency that can be imprinted with, uh, other frequencies. And that's, I know way probably over your head and, and mine a little bit too, but what I'm saying is if you go to Africa and you bring home a trinket, like a, a tribal mask or something like that, uh, you, it, it's very possible you're bringing home some spiritual juju on that mask. Uh, you know, if you go to really anywhere you can think of, if there's been trauma, crime, sin, or especially any type of voodoo, uh, witchcraft, satanic rituals done around that item, it very well could be holding power. And if you want to understand this more, just read through the old Testament and look at why God instructed the Israelites to burn all the artifacts. They, they, they would sometimes be allowed to plunder and keep the treasures. Other times they were instructed to just completely obliterate it. I believe it's because there is a residue in the spirit that can affect you if you are not paying attention and and uh, guarding yourself from it. So that being said, I, I don't know if that's the case of this house at this family member's house, but I know there were way too many dolls than I was personally comfortable with in the home. And uh, I, I was just having a really hard time one particular visit that we were there. And I woke up in the morning and Grant was, he had just woken up my husband and he looked at me and he said, uh, so did you sleep okay? I said, I, I don't know. You know, I did, I didn't feel rested, but I was like, I don't know. And he said, well, you were screaming in tongues at the top of your lungs in the middle of the night. I was like, Oh, that's awkward. And we realized that the rest of the family we were staying with shares a vent, you know, so most likely they probably heard me screaming in tongues in the middle of the night. And what I know to be true is that even while I was asleep, my spirit was doing war with the stuff that was in the atmosphere of that house, that my spirit was not okay with just communing with darkness, even while I was asleep and walking to the breakfast table was one of the most difficult things I've ever done. Having no idea if the family was going to say something about this or not. It was pretty comical in hindsight, but pretty terrible in the moment. Um, I could go on and on and on. I could tell you stories. Let me just tell you one other story that's very personal to me. Uh, the last house that we lived in, not our current house, but the last house that we lived in, we, we bought it. It was brand new. No one had lived there before. And, uh, when we got into the house, um, I, 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 you should know this about me. I have spent a considerable amount of time, um, walking myself through deliverance, sitting with other counselors, really undoing a ton of darkness in my life. And I live a fairly free lifestyle. I have very little, um, torment in my mind of things like, 
like excessive fear, fear of being victimized, that kind of stuff. I don't really walk in that. So when we moved into this house, I started noticing that I was feeling incredibly afraid, specifically afraid of being raped. And this is a feeling I had not felt since college. And it was just really alarming to me. And I wasn't sure if it was a prophetic warning from God, or I wasn't exactly sure what it was yet. And so I remember the cable guy coming over to, um, to, you know, install the cable in our home. And I remember walking around with, with a really sharp pencil in my hand, not because anything about him seemed to be off, but because I had been so plagued with this fear that I wasn't sure if this was the moment kind of deal. And then we had a friend stay with us and, and, uh, this story is going to stretch you and I apologize in advance. Um, but th- we're talking about real life ghost stories. And I know there's people out there. The reason why I share this is because I know there's people out there who have experienced something similar and you need to know what to do about it. So a girl was staying in our house who had been, um, sexually abused from a very young age, from the time that she was four up until her teenage years, um, just really, really, um, heinously abused. And in the middle of the night while she was asleep, um, there was like a ghost, like a spirit of a person who looked to me exactly like the way she had described previously to me, her perpetrator. And this is like a, like a, what felt to me like a very real being. This was not a dream. I had woken up and this being ghost thing came and tried to attack me. And I ended up blocking with my arm. I threw my arm up and started shouting no in the name of Jesus. And the ghost disappeared. And, um, I was like, Oh my gosh, what is going on? And so as we just began to pray, my husband and I began to pray and ask the Holy spirit, please reveal to us what's happening here. Because we believe no one is subject to this kind of stuff. You don't have to be, we actually have authority to overcome. And so as we pray, we felt like we had a word of knowledge that there had been a rape on the land that our house was built at, at some point in the history and that God needed us to cleanse the property so that this, um, this spirit could not be allowed to linger anymore. I'm not saying the spirit of the person. I'm saying the demonic spirit that was attached to this sin. And so we did, we prayed and I'll talk for a minute in a minute about what we prayed, but we prayed in the name of Jesus and something shifted. And from that point forward for the five years that we lived in that house, I never once had that fear again. I believe that that spirit that was sitting on the property somehow connected to the demonic um, assault that my friend was experiencing that opened up some sort of, I don't know, portal or something crazy. And I know at the moment, some of you guys are like, she's talking crazy right now. I get it. I hear myself, but it opened something up that allowed for the demonic activity that had assaulted her to try and infiltrate our home. And the Lord was allowing me to exercise my authority to bring about uh, an end where we would cleanse the property. And I'm telling you, when we did, we never experienced that again. I actually know so many people who experience what we would call having a haunted house where things like their cabinets open mysteriously or uh, one, one friend of mine, the electrical, like their sound system and stuff would just turn on at random. Um, and it would turn off at random. Sometimes when they were talking about Jesus and and talking about trying to grow in their faith, the sound system would turn on at full volume. I mean, crazy, crazy stuff. 
And the thing about this is that when we begin to recognize that as believers in Jesus, we have authority over the kingdom of darkness, then we can actually not only help ourselves, but help those around us. There's so much junk out there about how to cleanse your house when it's haunted. And most of it stems from other pagan rituals, things like saging your house, for example. Now, God invented sage. I mean, it was a part of the earth. So, you know, if sage is on fire, I I read an article once that said sage when it's on fire has these antioxidant uh, qualities. Okay, fine. But when you burn it for the intention of trying to cleanse something, here's an example, then what you're doing is partnering with darkness to rid darkness. And that is not going to produce lasting fruit. The enemy loves to play with us. And this is why I think Christians are so lackadaisical with, with this kind of stuff, because the enemy might allow you to think the sage worked, And now he's over here on another part of your life wreaking havoc while you're thinking that you actually got some victory. That is one of the most difficult things that the enemy does. He loves loves to twist our experiences. So I know we're going to go a little long on this because these stories are kind of long, but I want to just say a couple more things about how to overcome. If, If you've experienced anything like what I'm saying or you know someone that has, please share this podcast with them so they can get some help because in the Western world, we just don't want to believe that demons are real. I think this is why we're so fascinated with ghosts and paranormal stuff because we don't have a a national or, you know, a natural propensity to understand that there are demons on the earth. In the East, in Eastern, like Asian countries, uh, especially, they very much believe in the, the reality of demons. And so I think that the way they pursue this kind of stuff is different. As Americans, we need to get to the point and and Westerners in the postmodern world, we need to get to the point where we understand that darkness exists. Darkness wants to attack you. And when we recognize that, then we can have a greater sense of abstaining from the darkness that the enemy wants to use as a snare. For example, When we decorate for Halloween with darkness. Now, you might not agree with me and you can take this to the Lord. I just encourage you to do that. For my personal conviction, when we decorate with stuff like cobwebs, stuff like witches, stuff like ghosts, all that kind of stuff, you know, I'm all about fall decorating, but Halloween decorating is a different story. Number one, we are actually inviting fear into our home. Number two, we're inviting fear to affect other people. We are allowing fear to use us as a conduit. When you have those houses in your neighborhood, and we all have them, who love to hang those gross skulls down, what those people are doing is becoming a vessel to the spirit of fear to send fear out through them. And that should grieve all of us because it's one thing for you to personally like think it's fun to be fearful and go after that kind of stuff. It's an entirely different thing to be the person that the enemy is using to project fear onto others through. So that's, you know, that's something we got to look at. Let's look at this scripture, Colossians chapter three, 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as you're working to the Lord. Romans chapter 12, verse one, present your body as a living sacrifice. What this is saying is that your entire life, when you love Jesus, it belongs to God. So it's so weird to me why for like six weeks in the fall, we pretend like this verse doesn't apply. You know, we pretend like it's okay to partner with darkness 
and, and, you know, get into all kinds of stuff. I mean, we're not even talking about the true dark stuff like Ouija boards, tarot cards, palm reading, this kind of stuff that actually does transfer demonic activity into and onto your life. That's a whole other podcast. What we're talking about right now is the stuff we think is silly that we think is harmless, but it's actually doing something in the spirit. It's actually causing um, chaos and static in our ability to do everything we can to the Lord. Why would we partner with darkness and say, I'm doing this unto you, God? It just doesn't make any sense. So that being said, if you think your house is haunted, let's wrap up with this. What do you do? My challenge to you would be to get a couple of friends from church that are trusted people who know the Holy Spirit and go to your house and begin to pray through the house. If you want to anoint it with oil, that's fine. You know, I know different people have different rituals, that, but the thing is that when we put our faith in a ritual, like like my faith is in the anointing oil and when it goes on, it's going to banish. We're kind of missing the point of putting our faith in our in Jesus, in our Lord, in his supremacy. So there's three things you have to do when you're, when you're cleansing your home from any type of spiritual activity. The first one is to identify and understand your authority. It's not that you uniquely have, you know, that you're Satan's greatest enemy. It's not that type of thinking. It's that Christ in you is the hope of glory, that Jesus in you, the word of God partnering with your physical voice, your words is what brings authority. The demons are trembling at the name of Jesus. They're bowing at his presence in your life. I hope that makes sense. So it's not even about you. It's just about you becoming a vessel for the glory of God to speak into. So uh, into your home. So start with understanding your authority. The second thing you got to do is reveal any legal rights that are in your uh, surrounding that. For example, asking God, is there any artifact, any item in this house that is causing darkness to come? It's like a little channel, you know, or, or a receiver that's drawing like a magnet, the enemy. So, uh, ask him and be willing to get rid of whatever he says. If he talks about novels that have to do with witchcraft or even like pictures, you know, or even things you thought were harmless and a joke, you, you can't take this stuff too seriously. You got to take it seriously, uh, when the Holy spirit is revealing it. And so, uh, you're going to understand your authority. You're going to ask him, God, to reveal to you if there's anything in your home that would include, you know, was there anything that happened on my property? Like the story I told you a moment ago. And then the final thing we're going to do is pray the blood of Jesus. We're going to pray the blood of Jesus over our home. The Bible tells us in Revelation that we overcome through the word of our testimony and the blood of the lamb. The blood of Jesus is the most powerful force on the earth. And so what we're doing is we are asking the Holy Spirit. We're asking Jesus to come and get rid of whatever is in our house. And we don't stop praying until it leaves. I've been a part of house cleansings so many times. And sometimes it takes five, 10 minutes before you begin to feel a shift in the atmosphere. Don't stop praying. So here's what we're going to do to wrap up our time together, because I know we've gone really long today, but I think there's people again out there who need to hear this. So I want to pray. I want to pray an example prayer of cleansing over your home. And I want to pray an example prayer of cleansing over you. Uh, if, if you're saying, man, I've experienced stuff like this before, um, this is the time. And one last thing before we pray. 
I'm not saying that Christians abstain from every single aspect of Halloween. I personally feel like Halloween is the evangelist dream day. I mean, there's no other time. It's in, I mean, really, there's no other time in the year where people actually come to your house and you have an opportunity to impact them. So you've got a little bit of time before Halloween comes. And I encourage you, get either some Bible tracks, write out a little letter, write your testimony down. You can make a QR code online and record a video of your testimony drop that in with the candy do something because you have an opportunity to minister to the people in your neighborhood so I'm not an advocate for Christians uh, pretending like you know like shutting their doors and shutting their lights off I'm an advocate for Christians standing in our authority and shifting the atmosphere and that's what we're called to do as we bring heaven's ways to earth okay let's take a second and let's pray so I'm praying for you first if you are struggling feeling like there's demonic activity in and around you. I want to pray over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bring this listener before your throne right now. And Lord, we ask that you would administer the blood of Jesus over them right now. Lord, I'm asking for your ministering and healing and warring angels to be dispatched over this listener's life to help bring about breakthrough. Right now, Holy Spirit, I'm praying you illuminate anything that needs to be repented of, anything that needs to be canceled in the spirit, And I'm asking, Father, for a release of your peace, for a release of your breakthrough over them in Jesus' name. And now we're going to take a second just to pray over your house. So if you have demonic activity in your home, this is what I want you to pray. You can agree with me, pray something like this, or you. And I, it's a better option to invite people over to your house to pray together. But Lord, in the name of Jesus, we declare that this property belongs to those who are in you. So every listener who is praying over their home right now, we come before you and we declare that this house, whether you own it, or whether we are renting it, we are possessing this home and we are possessing the atmosphere around it. And so we cancel every place of demonic activity in the name of Jesus. We pour the blood of Jesus over the land, over every inch of our property, all the way extending to our property line. We pray the blood of Jesus down into the center of the earth, all the way down to the core of the earth as well. We cancel off and break off every demonic residue from every sinful act and deed that has been done on this land. We come against every scheme of the enemy and every satanic act uh, that was done on this property. We cancel that in the name of Jesus. Lord, I'm asking that you would release your angels of protection over this property right now that you would release your angels of protection over every bedroom, every closet, every dark hallway. And Lord, we say, let your light come in and shine and let it illuminate every dark place in Jesus name. Father, we ask right now that you would reveal anything in this home that is acting as a conduit or a magnet for things in the spirit realm to come and wreak havoc on these people's lives. Lord, would you reveal it and give them the courage to either destroy it or get rid of it in Jesus name. We invite your peace. We invite your presence. We invite your Shekinah glory into these homes right now in Jesus' name. Father, we love you. We wait for your swift action on our behalf. Amen. You can continue to pray. You can keep that going if you need to. Um, I hope this is helpful for you. If you've got questions, of course, you can reach out to me. I'd love to be a blessing and and serve you any way I can. Um, Let's go after advancing the kingdom of light. Amen. All right. Thanks for listening. Until next time, be blessed. 
So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wortman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.